It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. A wonderful book by the name of Falling Free, Rescued from the Life I Always Wanted. Very popular writer, blogger, Shannon Martin joins us. And uh, this is a great book because it will challenge you to not hold on to this life and to have plans. Of course, we know when we make plans, God laughs. And uh, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. So, you know, it took a lot of courage to write this book because you called us all out, every single Christian, (laughs) to, you know, to not be a hypocrite. Now, we can all be a hypocrite um, because we have plans of our own. And you kind of draw that out in your book that uh, you had a life where you and your husband were working in Washington, D.C., making good money and had a pretty good idea of what the Christian life was, but uh, we're going to find out through your book that, uh, you know, we we have a little bit of reserve as Christians, don't we, as far as being everything God has actually called us to be. That's right. You know, like you said, we were really kind of trucking along. You know, we were doing all the things that we had been taught to do. We were living the life that was seen as just, you know, a very good nice Christian life. We felt like we were successful, we were on the right track, we had made our plans for ourselves, and we were pretty surprised to see that our plans were were all wrong. <laughs> well, you said something funny, I thought, because as you're growing throughout the book, which we could all relate to, that's why you're so popular, is that you know you speak uh, a lot of what we all feel, and so that's the, the gift of a good writer. You had mentioned that someone came up to you who maybe, I don't know if they were homeless or they were in need, and that you want, they wanted you to fill up their tank. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you said in your book that all I have is $10, and then you were honest. You said, well, I actually have more than $10. I lied. But I've come a long way because usually I would say I don't have anything. And right. I, thought, I thought, you know, I could relate to that. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the experience that I've had, and it's still, you know, that it's a – it's an uncomfortable thing to be confronted with that kind of a request. And I, you know, I, I feel like I'm growing. I feel like God has brought us a long way, but there's still that hesitance that I have every time of, of kind of, you know, this person is in my space now. I'm uncomfortable. What can I do to just end this interaction as quickly as possible? And, you know, that the impulse sometimes is just to, Honestly, and and the past for me has been to lie and just say, you know, I'm sorry, I don't have any cash on me. That might not always be particularly true. So, you know, it's a journey. And I try in my writing to just be as transparent as I can because nobody's perfect here. Um, If I'm going to write about my life, then I really want to do that with as much authenticity as possible. Well, that's what makes the book so good. And that's why we can all relate to it, because I think we've all been there. We've all lied and uh, not giving anything. And but you, you, you know, grow throughout this whole book and you talk about your life, how you realize that, you know, God puts people in your path for a reason and that you're beholden to this uh, woman. I believe it was a woman who is asking you to fill her tank and that uh, it's not just me and my life. And I loved how you will get to it, how the the Lord had kind of stripped and broken you down and made you realize that, no, I'm holding on to a lot of stuff. I think we all feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, wanting the wrong things. That's kind of been a theme for my husband and I through this journey is, you know, we we had acquired so many of the things that we had always wanted. And what we realized was we were spending our lives wanting the wrong things. 
Absolutely. Well, we all have an idea of, you know, the comfortable Christian life, which is, I think that, you know, as long as things are hunky-dory, if you will, uh, what happens when we really have to obey what Jesus says? And of course, you make a lot of scriptural references uh, to keep us on our toes, to realize that, no, Jesus says to really do these things. And so, uh, for example, uh, you mentioned that one of the things that make your pit sweat, that's what you said in your book. Right. And uh, I've used that expression too, but it's um, it, the stranger. You know, we could do yeah. so many things as a Christian, but can we do everything that Jesus says? And if we do, it's going to bring us out of our comfort zone. And you mentioned that the stranger kind of gets you a little uneasy, but yeah, you learn to bring strangers in your home. Can you talk a little bit about that? I would love to. You know, that's, that's something that I wrote about again just today. It's become a big part of our life. And I remember the first time, you know, we were starting to really read the Gospels with fresh eyes. And it's very challenging to see what, what Christ has called us to. And he very clearly says, you know, when I'm talking about inviting people into your home, I'm not talking just about your close family or your small group from church, right? You know, those are the typical, that's our comfort zone. Yes. He says, I'm saying invite strangers into your home. And that's where we take a step back and say, okay, God. You know, we all have boundaries here, and, and now you're crossing them. This is super uncomfortable. We don't know what to do. The first time that we made that leap and invited strangers into our home was just, it, it was an experience that stays with me to this day. You know, that was several years ago at this point. Um, it's a miracle that they showed up. But the really beautiful thing is they have become tremendously dear friends to us and I we see them weekly we're in touch with them often the husband is is back in jail right now um, but we are just walking with them and just so our lives were made so much better by by them choosing to trust us and by them accepting that invitation by all of us kind of taking a step out of our comfort zone and towards each other hmm. we all walked away from that you know better well, you know something? Life is a mess. The Christian life can be a mess because we have to actually partner with another person, with the least of these, as the yeah. Lord mentions, and you mentioned in your book here. And But the thing is that what, a lot of times we look at other people and say, oh, what a mess, you know, uh, but we don't really think that we're such a mess. And that's right. where <laughs> I really love what you write here. I'm going to mention, it says right here, and very descriptive writing, I've never been more aware of the mess I am. I can't outrun my humanity, and I'm done trying. I need this practice, this bending low to confess my simple-hearted heart or simple-minded heart. I need the routine wonder of offering my infant gratitude to the one who defragments my humanity and to what it really is, which is a pulsing brokenness, a needle skipping in the groove of imperfection and frailty. Uh, wow, that's why uh, you have a lot of fans. You know, you write with a lot of uh, detail. And uh, do you pick that up? Is that part of like the artist in you, just noticing a lot of the details in in life and in, in also in yeah. humanity? You know, I think that's so, it's become such a big part of my faith as well and my writing is just this practice of paying attention. Um, I'm somebody that, you know, when I started blogging eight years ago, I had no idea that I was a writer. I just started blogging because I wanted to share cute pictures of my adorable kids. <laughs> you know, I got started in, in the way many people get their start. And along the way, the more I practiced this, um, this art of writing, the more I began to see, okay, maybe perhaps I am a writer. 
But I think, you know, that's what it's all about. And that's what the Lord is showing me every day. We've been in this neighborhood and this kind of new life for a few years now. It's beginning to look very normal to us. So now what do we do, God? Well, every day we pay attention to our place. We pay attention to our people. We notice the work that God is doing around us in ways that are very, very slow and small. And we get to be a part of that. So, yeah, I definitely think that just paying attention, you know, getting outside of of our box, getting outside of our comfort zone, looking around and, and seeing the people around us praying to see them the way God sees them. I mean, that is such a big part of this. Absolutely. And can I ask you, you have a good radio voice. Do you have like a radio program or a podcast of your own? I do not. No. I'm going to encourage you to do it because I think, (laughs) you know, uh, I think you have like that dual threat with both the writing and also, you know, the communication gift too. So anyway, just a, just an idea. But so uh, let's talk about that. Now, how did this challenge you at first? I mean, you know, now you will invite strangers in your home and I'd like you to talk more about really what kind of experiences you've had with that. Because when we think about that, we see maybe a homeless person or, you know, we might not feel so safe or we see yeah. people every day and I just, Lord, I pray for them. And But you took matters into your own hands because the Lord really wants us to be his hands and feet. And yeah. that's the other gear that you and your husband go toward, you know, and you had a cushy yeah. job in Washington. It was about you and the money and the American dream. But um, is it hard to kind of, you know, get messy and join in other people's messes in order to, you know, be Jesus to them? Yeah, you know, it's certainly not easy. Um, When we, we, I think of my life as kind of two parts. So when we were living in our old life, before all of this change came our way, before we moved, before, you know, we had job transition, all those things, this is something that I could not have imagined doing. I could not have imagined inviting a stranger into my home, particularly one that may have looked, you know, a person that might have looked a little, um, different than me whether they (laughs) right i mean you know we we all have uh, you know these filters that we see the world through and i was taught to see somebody that might be covered from head to toe in tattoos and they might look a little menacing they might look a little rough around the edges that that might be a dangerous person in particular that i would not want to invite into my home without knowing a lot about them yeah, I mean, how much of a background check do you have to do with that? I mean, sometimes right. <laughs> you might feel the Lord uh, leading, and when he leads, you know, it's okay. Yeah. But, I mean, um, were you ever scared? Did your husband have a gun? No, we don't. Um, and it's funny, the the story that I write about um, with, with the friends, and, you know, we, we do a lot of this now, but this particular story, it was the first time that we did something like this, and they had shown up at church, my husband was not at church that particular Sunday. He was at another church speaking. And, you know, this was a couple that fits the description I just gave. So they were, they looked a bit rough around the edges, very tatted up. Um, just, they looked a little different than we did. And there was something about them. They kind of snuck out towards the end of church. I go to a very small church, but they kind of, you know, they were there and then they kind of snuck out. And I literally ran after them you know I kind of chased them down there was something about them that just compelled me to them and I know now that that was just the Holy Spirit just pushing me towards them and you know I caught them out in the lobby got to know them a little bit they came up they showed up again at church the next Sunday and so then it was just like okay here we go we're just going to do this and I said would you like to come over tonight for dinner I mean they had never met my husband they hadn't met my kids they barely had met me 
but they lived in in my neighborhood. You know, these were my neighbors, and we laugh about it now because you know she says we almost bailed out, we almost didn't show up, and we were so surprised when they did show up. I mean, it takes a lot of courage for them as yes. well. Um, but we just find over and over again that when we take that risk, you know, we're obviously we're here in my house together. You know, my husband, my kids. Um, we felt very safe. We had really meaningful conversations with them. And just to see the the way the Lord has kind of continued to grow that relationship, they are just tremendous blessings to my family. Um, now, we, every Sunday after church, have a group of, of men and women from a jail-like facility. So it's a work release center here in the neighborhood. We have an open invitation. So many of these people show up to our church because it's local. We have an open invitation now. Anybody that wants to come over for ch- for lunch after church, you're more than welcome. So we have we've gotten very comfortable with this idea of welcoming strangers into our home. Um, it's not something that we're scared of anymore. I believe that if there were a particularly dangerous person, that the Lord would would in some way kind of protect us from that and let us know. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit is there for. Um, but that hasn't happened yet. So we just continue that's to amazing. welcome people in. Yeah. Wow. Because <laughs> we, you know, I think about all the people that I pass by in, in this life and I say, Lord, again, Lord, bless that person. And instead of yeah. really being in tune with, with God and say, no, no, you bless him. You be right. the person who does that. And so. And, right. And you be blessed by them. Yes. I mean, that's where the magic really happens is when, you know, you alluded to this earlier in the interview, but, you know, we begin to see ourselves in them. We begin to see God's glory reflected off of their faces. I mean, it's just such a beautiful, um, it's a relationship. It's not a transaction. It's, you know, all of us kind of, this is this is the community that God called us to, is to kind of huddle up with people that, that might look quite different from us. But who are at our essence? We're all we're all very similar, and that's what's great about this book is that it challenges us with a comfortable Christian life. And that's something a lot of people can get some flack for. I'm sure you do sometimes. Like, what do you mean yeah. that I'm living this comfortable Christian life and uh, and I'm living for me, and then I'm bringing my template to God, a template, and you know, instead of being everything that God wants us to be by just being obedient to His word. I wonder if we actually would do that. And it seems like all. All the different relationships you've had with people it's like a tapestry as you go from right. one person to the other and uh, I imagine that the phone probably never stops ringing it, it does feel that way sometimes <laughs> I'll be very honest the door doesn't you yeah. know somebody's knocking on the door somebody's calling the phone we definitely especially lately so I, I kind of laugh when you say that because Corey and I my husband and I have had conversations like that this week like this has been a very hectic week the phone has not stopped ringing, but there are times that it gets quieter. I mean, this is just our regular life. We're just regular people. I'm cooking dinner for my family in our kitchen. You know, we're not always doing these these big things, and quite honestly, they don't feel like big things to us at this point. This is just, this is what it looks like to be a neighbor, and when we knew God was calling us to this kind of broken down, forgotten neighborhood, we didn't know exactly why we just knew that we were here to to live as neighbors and we are constantly learning every day how to be a better neighbor and yes. this, is, this is what it's all about it really is and god stripped you though from your position in washington you're working for a congressman you and your husband and everything seemed perfect and right. you know so the lord has to do those things to kind of strip us or else we won't 
do what he wants us to do. So uh, that's something that, you know, you began to change your attitude about all this and say, wait a minute, you know, I'm going to get with God's program here. And um, I mean, so interesting that you had, again, a farmhouse and uh, beautiful. uh, But, you know, where you are right now, um, tell me about your life. Well, you know, when we made this big transition away from the farmhouse, it, 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 this, the farmhouse kind of symbolizes that part one of our life in many ways. But we moved away from the farmhouse, and it was it was a time of just tremendous change. Like the ground never seemed to stop shaking in our lives, and everything. You know, we were losing our jobs, we were losing our income, we were adopting more children. I mean, it was just change after change after change, and. Uh, what happened to us was somewhere along the line, we began to believe that the the whole purpose of our life was to create a a life for ourselves and for our kids that was as safe and secure and stable and peaceful as possible. Those were kind of the tenets that we really clung to. We just, with tight fists, held on to these to these ideas of mm-hmm. safety and security. Um, we were also at the same time experienced kind of this this sense of perhaps we were missing something, you know, when our faith was feeling a little bit tired and a little bit dusty. And what we know now is we were just kind of missing the mess of the gospel. I mean, the gospels are just filled mm. with crazy stories of mess and risk. You know, for all the years we spent trying to make our life as safe as possible, we never considered that perhaps God was calling us to a place of risk. And a place where we wouldn't feel so safe, a place where we couldn't necessarily solve all of our problems, a place where, quite honestly, we were going to have to rely on him in ways we had never relied on him before. Um, And that's where we're at now. You know, my husband went from working for a United States congressman to now being the full-time chaplain of the county jail here in Indiana. I, when when we lived in Washington, D.C., and for a while afterwards, I worked at a conservative you know policy think tank and i am now a writer and you know that's that's kind of my job but what i what i really do is i'm a mom and i'm a neighbor you know i spend a lot of time being involved in our community and with our neighbors in the school the public school system here in our neighborhood so yeah our life has become a very um it's become a little more chaotic than it used to be. It's not quite as peaceful as it used to be, but this is this is the abundant life. You know, I think the it abundant is. life. We think of the abundant life as being, you know, peaceful and serene and lovely. Well, for us, God's more has looked like less in many ways, and the abundant life has looked like, you know, a lot of those really lovely, picturesque ideas, but then also a lot of messiness and a lot of um, disorganization and. You know, just on and on it goes. So mm. we've we've experienced more joy than we've ever experienced before. We've also experienced more sadness and more loss than we've ever experienced before. And I think I think all of those things are gifts to us. Oh, I agree. Anytime you put yourself out there and interact with another person, you have the capability of hurting another person. Of course, other people have the capability of, of hurting you, but also the great love that comes right. in between. I think we're afraid to do that. I mean, the most maybe... You know, when the pastor says, shake that person's hand for 30 seconds and then sit down. Right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we can we can go further than that. And, you know, in your book, it almost reminded me of like the Christian version of the Brady Bunch meets the ragamuffin gospel. <laughs> if I had to combine the two. I love it. 
You know, that's what I, yeah. Yeah. You know, one of of the really important parts of our story that we haven't touched on yet was somewhere in this transition, after we moved to our home in the city, we adopted our fourth son, who at the time was 19 years old and serving time in prison. Wow. You know, this was something that even, even the fact that we had adopted three children previously, this was not in our plan. You know, we had never envisioned this for ourselves. And yet here we were. You know, he was released from prison. He was released to our care, moved into our basement with his ankle monitor on and his cigarette (laughs) behind his ear and, you know, the whole nine yards. And he's just a part of our family now in ways that we are profoundly grateful for. And that's what led to my husband becoming the chaplain of the jail. He was kind of our entry point into this whole um, idea of this justice system that we have that we were very about quite honestly and now this is a huge part of our life so it's very it's very fun to sit back and watch in hindsight the way God pieced all of this together and continues to piece it together you know we we aren't sure what's going to happen next yes and you know what we're afraid of that and and in the it's almost like let someone else have that kind of faith in the Bible, but right. God is challenging us to have that kind of faith, you know, the faith uh, where you know, the legalists would say to Jesus, you know, you got mixed up with uh, prostitutes and sinners and, and all these publicans, but he wants us to, to be loving toward people and not be afraid. So I love the fact that there's real interaction and it's real. And unfortunately, the Christian life, myself included, it doesn't always feel real. You know, because we don't go that distance. And I almost thought that Woody Allen, when he says uh, to his um, his girlfriend in the movie, though, wanting to be married, he says, should we have big kids or little kids? And the big kids are more. (laughs) I'm just, you know, well, um, at first you could not have children. And that was a big part of the book. And and I know once you had kind of reconciled that and made peace with God about that. Uh, Tell us what happened then. What I can tell you now is that I can look back and say, and I often do say, you know, God God gave us the gift of infertility. Um, We certainly did not see that as a gift at the time. We saw it as a major inconvenience and, you know, something that... That was that was one of the first things that we realized in our marriage, like, whoa, we do not have control of this after all. You know, we had lived our lives in such a way that we really felt like we had a good bit of control over where things went and what we did. And, you know, suddenly we were faced with a problem that we couldn't solve. And God showed us bit by bit who who our family is. And we have four children now. They were all adopted. They're all very different, very different stories. But I think beyond beyond just our physical, you know, our family unit, God continues to show us this idea of drawing a larger circle around who we consider our family. So, you know, we have our four kids, um, but then it goes much deeper than that. And our family grows and grows and grows. And we find ourselves with, you know, here's... Here's a woman in her 60s who who really doesn't have much family at all, and she needs a family. So let's adopt her into our family. Let's bring her over for you know weekends and holidays and share meals with her, and let's let's make her part of our family. It's not just about bringing the adorable baby into our home. It's about bringing the person with no family into our life and just you know allowing our lives to be touched by them as well. 
And that that definition of family just keeps stretching and stretching Mm. and stretching. In order to do that, you know, you can't have really any claim in your life. I mean, literally. And that's where you take us to. That's where the Lord takes us to is we have no claim on our life other than being obedient and faithful, which is what you talk about and exhibit in your book. Um, but that's hard for people, even Christians, to say, well, I have no claim on my life, not for anything. Well, it's hard for me. It's hard for me still. You know, it's hard for me when when the phone rings when I don't want it to ring or when, you know, I, none of this has gotten easier. I, I take that back. It has gotten <laughs> easier. But none of this has, has become super easy. It's not a no-brainer for me. And and that's how I know that I'm still a work in, in progress and God is still at work in my heart and at work in my life. And, you know, we make mistakes and we do things wrong all the time. We get selfish all the time. You know, we want to take control back. And God just, he's patient with us and he shows us what redemption looks like. He shows us over and over again what it looks like to be rescued. But we cannot experience rescue if we're not willing to surrender some of that control. Tell and me so a little. Mm, sorry, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, you. It's, you're, you're the star. Go ahead. Well, no, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm not exactly sure where I was going with that yet. So you go. I apologize. I'm a lousy interviewer. I'm telling you. But, no, you're fine. Um, okay. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, you know, let's go back to Congress for just a minute. I know that sometimes, you know, you take us there in your book, Back to Congress. And what was your husband's role? What did he do? What did you do? And how did he go from that to being a chaplain? So my husband worked on a political campaign just out of college, and that man was elected into the United States Congress. We moved to Washington, D.C., very unexpectedly, and I then got a job working as a policy analyst and researcher at a think tank very close to the Hill. My husband, I forget what his beginning role was, but he kind of started at the bottom you know, in a congressional office and worked his way up. We thought we would be there for a minimum of two years. We ended up only being there for about a year, and Corey was promoted into a, a higher role back in the district office in Indiana. So, you know, we moved back to Indiana. He ended up, eventually, that congressman lost reelection, and then he took a job with another United States congressman in a neighboring district and was a pretty top level. Um, aid for hmm. that particular congressman. So yeah, there was, you know, w- we didn't know at the time, but these congressional races, it's every two years. So every two years, you're potentially going to be out of a job. And that's its, that's its own kind of chaotic rat race um, that we, you know, we were a part of that for about 10 years. But yeah, so, you know, when he was with that second, that second congressman, he very abruptly resigned from office kind of in a, in a bit of scandal. And at that point, we realized, okay, Corey is now officially without a job. Mm. And where are we going to go from here? You know, we felt at that time like God was really stirring in our hearts that he had something different from us. You know, we sing, Christians love to sing about trusting in God and, you know, walking out on the water and, you know, all these kind of romanticized visions of what our faith might look like. But when it comes to actually doing it, it's very scary. Um, and, and like you said earlier, you know, he kind of just gave us a nudge right off of that cliff. We didn't have a lot of say in this at the beginning, and we both very unexpectedly um, were without jobs. My job came to an end with the change in presidential administrations, and yeah, we were we were both faced with, with really, who knows what's going to happen from here. 
and he transitioned for a while into a position at an alternative high school, and that was very instrumental in just beginning to see the people around us differently and our lives kind of intersecting with people that were living really hard lives. Um, that's where we initially hmm. met our oldest son, Robert. Um, and then after a couple of years there, he became the chaplain at the jail. Yeah, because I was wondering how that transition took place. I mean, I could understand how things happen for you as a writer as you chronicle uh, everything. And really, uh, we, you're probably surprised, you know, how the fan base, if you will, or people who I would just say have been changed by your writing and then your husband getting into a, to a chaplaincy. And when you met him, you probably never thought you'd ever he'd ever be a chaplain. No. You know, we met in college and he was a theology major in college. I was a psychology major. He never even had it on his radar to pastor in any role. He kind of thought he might go into academia at some point and, you know, be a professor or something along those lines. And then he fell into politics right out of college. And we got kind of stuck in, in that situation for quite a while. Um, it, it was just a lot of good things to walk away from, quite honestly. And it, it, it still surprises us sometimes now that, you know, it kind of came full circle when the chaplaincy position came open. I was the one kind of pushing him, like, I feel like this is where God might be leading you. But, you know, Corey, he's an introvert. He's just a quiet, humble, just a smart guy. A lot of, you know, he's got a lot of wisdom. The idea of him going to jail every day and spending his time there and, you know, talking with men all day long about all kinds of things, none of us saw that coming. Hmm. Um, and it's just, it's really one of those stories. You know, the Bible is filled with stories of, of God calling people who feel like they're not equipped for the job, for the task at hand. And that's very much how my husband felt. Like, listen, you've got the wrong guy. Like, there's no way I'm cut out for this. And sure enough, you know, God was saying, yes, this, this position is for you. And Corey has just found his fit. I mean, this is, you know, this is his dream job, and he hopes that it lasts a long time. He really loves it. I was going to say that, you know, to go from Congress to that type of position and to relate to people. I mean, he's never been in jail, has he? No. All right. So no. I'm just wondering, you know, unless the Lord gives him that gift, how do you really relate to people who have been in prison and, and all these different things? But actually, he, he did. God opened up his heart for that. Well, you know, our, the first time we ever visited a jail was when Robert, who was not officially part of our family at the time, but he was incarcerated. We went to visit him. That was our first visit to the jail. And so it's so interesting to think that is the actual jail where Corey works now. Um, but, you know, I think God is, is very kind and gentle to us. And sometimes I kind of joke around that he's, you know, God's... <laughs> has kind of enacted his purposes in us in ways that have been very abrupt and dramatic, and they don't always feel gentle. But I think he takes his time with us, and we, we couldn't have known what we were headed for down the, you know, down the road. He only ever showed us one step at a time, and it was always kind of a, you know, this is what I'm asking of you guys, just please trust me. And so a lot of times we had, you know, butterflies in our stomach, and we felt kind of scared, and you know, this isn't what we would have chosen, but every step of the way, he's saying, just t just trust me on this one thing, guys. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to be right here with you. And that's the and real Christian life. Yes. As we take those steps, you know, that's what builds our faith. And so then when you come to the place where it's, you know, okay, guys, Martin family, I'm going to ask you to cut your salary again. 
pretty dramatically so that your husband can go work at the county jail. I mean, there's a lot of fear that we mm. could have gotten kind of caught up with that whole picture. But at that point, we had seen his faithfulness every step of the way. And I think the more we can take those small steps of obedience, even when we're scared, you know, and trusting that he is right there with us, that's what helps us begin to trust him with the bigger things. And, you know, trusting that, okay, you've called this introverted guy to to be the chaplain of the jail. He's never spent time in jail. This is all kind of foreign. We're going to trust that you're going to equip him for this in ways that we don't understand. And that's exactly what has happened. Mm. I mean, Corey just, he just loves it. He loves, he calls these guys his friends because that's who they are now. You know, it's not a matter of, of him being above them or, or, you know, they're all just kind of there learning more about the Lord, digging into the word, carrying each other's burdens. And I think that's what God had in mind when he called us to this life of community. Oh, I agree. And people can tell, too, if they sense that someone is above that, you know, they can't bond people from prison. So, you know, to feel like you're right there. But you do the same thing. You and your husband, when you meet people, you don't give off the air that I'm bigger or better than you. You say we're equals and let's all, you know, eat together and you could dine here. You know, same thing. You yeah. could you sleep over if you want, you know. And yep. Uh, yep. again, when you have no claim to your life at all, that my house is God's house and God would want you to have a place to stay and uh, something to eat. So I think that when you take off that mask... You know, that's what happens is that uh, your house becomes God's house and your money becomes, you know, God's money. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, you as an author, though, because you have this wonderful blog and it's called ShannonMartinWrites.com, formerly Flower Patch Farm Girl. That's cool, but I like, you know, the other one's good. And so uh, in chronicling things, tell us how it kind of all began. Also, how did this book come to be? What's the inception and how did you decide that you're going to write a book? You know, I mentioned earlier that when I began blogging, I, I had no aspiration of writing a book. I didn't see myself as a writer. I had never done a lot of writing, you know, in my careers, that sort of thing. I think it's something that had always come easily to me. But my my blog over the years just progressed from, you know, when I began, it was kind of just everyday pictures of my kids and maybe what I'm having for dinner. I love to cook, you know, those two things. Um, I began kind of blogging more about decorating. And that's where I found my first bit of traction was that some bigger decorating blogs kind of found me and began sharing me. And that's where I found myself with an audience. So, you know, now I now I have this audience of people that are interested in pictures of my farmhouse, but now I'm selling my farmhouse, no. <laughs> you know. Um, and, and now I'm suddenly writing a lot about my faith. In the beginning, I didn't write about my faith. It wasn't, it just wasn't something I even thought of doing. I wasn't really doing a lot of deep processing there. So... I kind of have to laugh because I think some of my early readers were kind of, you know, they had the rug pulled out from under them a little bit. Um, they, they got more than they bargained for. But I, the whole tone of my blog changed, and we began going into this season of just so much transition, and I wrote it all down. And so, you know, years later, when I, when I really couldn't have anticipated it, it suddenly – you know, the idea of me writing a book was more of a reality. And at that point, I knew I was a writer. I knew, you know, God had, I had found my voice when we lived in the country. And now I was finding my story here in the city. And it just seemed like the right time to kind of bring those two things together um, and write this book. So, you know, I, I went through a very traditional route. I found a literary agent 
who graciously took a chance on me mm. being an unpublished author. And, you know, I wrote a proposal and we shopped it around and we accepted this offer to, to write two books for a wonderful publishing house, Thomas Nelson Publishers, and yeah. it's been quite a journey. Well, you know, people can tell when you're speaking something that is truthful and relatable, and that's probably the most rewarding thing in the world to say that, you know, my thoughts kind of go out there and they find a home. And uh, yeah. there are many people in social media or bloggers, they maybe mom and dad might uh, listen or, or write, <laughs> back, but, right. you know, it doesn't find a home like that. So uh, do you get a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls after taking so many, not risks so much because, you know, you're doing it led by the Holy Spirit. But you, Shannon, should I, you know, should I pick up and go to Minnesota or should I? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I get a lot of that. Yeah. And I and I understand why. I mean, I think this is you know what what we've done and what so many people are doing and honestly what the what we're being called to do as followers of Christ is to really kind of go off the grid. You know, I think the Christian church has sort of evolved into this like American dream with a sight of Jesus. That's how my yes. husband and I were living. You know, we were living the the Christian American dream, and we were shocked. We were surprised to see when we really began reflecting on the Word of God, and when when you know our eyes became open to this, that that is not the life we were called to. So I think there's this disconnect when people begin to feel called into doing some of these kind of weird things, it can be a pretty isolating place to be because you do get a lot of pushback from the Christians in your life that love you and want the best for you and just simply do not understand what is happening. Mm. Um, so I think there's this, this desire to find your people and to find somebody that will understand. Um, that's really who I had in mind as I was writing. So when I wrote Falling Free... You know, it's a good idea to kind of keep in mind you, you can't write a book thinking that you're writing it for everyone or for the whole world. It's not going to work that way. Um, but to have in mind, you know, who am I really writing this to? And I was writing it to myself, you know, five years ago, and I was writing it to anybody else that's at that at that turning point of, you know, they're they're Christian people. They've perhaps been living life a one. They've been living life one way, and now they see this this brand new road that they might take. And do they have the courage? And the answer to that is no, they don't have the courage. But God is going to be their courage for them as they take those steps into the unknown. So, yeah, I Amen. love hearing from people that are that are getting ready to make that turn. And what I say every time, you know, when I respond is just, I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited to to know what's going to happen next. It's just such an adventure. It really is. And, you know, I remember when I first came to the Lord, just how bold I was, but it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit working through me. And then yeah. I become jaded a little bit almost. You become accustomed to certain things that you see. You yeah. see so many homeless people. You see, what can I do about that? And how much could I give? And But it becomes real when Jesus, when we allow Jesus to use us. And uh, and you have done that. And then, and then you say, you know, of course, the adventure begins um as far as the church making us feel do you think it feeds on that a little bit as far as some of the more comfortableness that we have where i thought it was kind of funny you said that uh, you know going to the hippest church and evaluating the coffee afterwards which i am guilty of and i think other people too saying well the music wasn't quite right and the you know what has happened where instead you know and on the way home we'll see a homeless person and you know wave to the i don't know but uh, yeah. We have it all wrong. I, maybe we should be from the pulpit challenged to to take these type of risks. 
I think so. And that's something that I like to share when, I, when I'm speaking to people. You know, I, I do a good bit of speaking now, and it's something I do enjoy. But, you know, I like to say to people, I'm your girl. So if you're at that place and you're getting ready to, to make the sleep and you already know that you're going to get pushback, you're going to get flack, from the people in your life, I want you to picture me standing along the side of the street as you run by. You know, I'm the one holding up the sign. I am cheering you on. I would love for the church to take that on and to begin encouraging people, uh, you know, to maybe even not spend so much time inside the church or trying to draw people into the church, but just really getting out into the community. You know, maybe if our churches were more of a place of humbleness and a place where you know the sound system is not so great and the kids programming leaves much to be desired you know that's kind of the church that we attend Mm -hmm. now and the question is now like can we just commit can we commit to this place where we gather with our neighbors and with other believers and we've become kind of this quasi family together and we can just stick together and stick it out through through the the times when everything goes well and through all the other times can we do that yeah and i'm guilty of that too because i don't know i don't know if it's the stadium seating or what but you get too comfortable in these churches and (laughs) instead of actually you know having real relationships i'm glad that you said you're that person you know and uh, because my wife and i were going to indiana and we were looking for a place to stay there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if is he serious, but I wanted I wanted to see what you'd say. But you see, you well, you'd actually invite us in your home. I, of course, I would. You're so nice. <laughs> what are some of the biggest reactions you get from people who read your book? Um, you know, I I get a mixed reaction. I think you tend, and this is nice. This is a wonderful thing. I'm not complaining. But you tend to hear from the people that that loved the book. Um, you you definitely hear now and then from people that didn't love it. I jokingly on Instagram is where I spend a lot of my time on social media. And so people will comment and say, you know, I loved falling free. It really, it, it, it pushed me in the right directions. I did throw it against the wall a couple of times. You know, I've gotten that, like I did throw it across the room a few times um, because it's a challenging message. And what I say and, and what it's, what is true is that the words that I wrote, you know, this, this book that I wrote is still challenging to me. You know, I, I read through it. I spent some time in it today working on another project for it. And I thought, man, this stuff is still really convicting for me. I'm still not fully arrived in many of these ways. And so, you know, it's a challenging message, but I think it's a message that offers a lot of freedom. You know, instead of climbing up the ladder constantly and, you know, striving for more and wanting more and gaining more, when we can just let go and fall down into the gutters and into, you know, the broken places where Jesus spent his time, when we can loosen our grip on our finances, when we can just fall and let go, that is where we find freedom. And so it's really fun to watch the readers kind of embrace that and experience that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to step into the shoes of the marketing department here. I am going to insist, if you don't have it already, having a falling free uh, workbook and download so people can learn how to actually do the things that you're saying as okay. far as yeah why not well yeah. Shannon Martin has been our special guest it's an incredible book it will challenge you to be everything God has called you to be it's called Falling Free Rescued from the Life I Always Wanted and Shannon known for her popular blog ShannonMartinWrites.com and she's a speaker and writer and you've really uh, breathed some life into our lives you know in writing this book I appreciate that we all do thanks for being on the program thanks so much for having me